Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we're talking about the hidden history of an African-American business community in Milledgeville. We're going to take a trip to the Sally Ellis Davis House to preview their exhibit, The Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. Joining me today is Molly Randolph, a curator at the Old Governor's Mansion in the Sally Ellis Davis House. Well, Molly, welcome back to the WRGC studio. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure to host you again, it's my pleasure to talk to you about this history of Milledgeville that I don't think we know enough about, and I'm just glad to see that y'all are creating an exhibit about it and giving me the opportunity to talk to you about it here on Georgia College Connections. So I thought the first question has to be, tell us a little bit about the Strip. Okay. The Strip was Milledgeville's African-American business district catering to black patrons, it was on Macintosh Street, and it came onto Wayne Street as well, so right next to Hancock, which is still kind of the main business district in Milledgeville. And it was a place where black patrons could go, could shop, could eat, meet their friends, but not face some of the discrimination they faced in white-run shops. And so basically, of course, this was a means of navigating through segregation. There would be the exactly. white business district on Hancock Street, and then on McIntosh Street, there would be the black business community. Can you talk about you know the significance of there being these kind of uh, parallel worlds right there in downtown Milledgeville? Sure. Of course, black patrons could go into white-run shops, but as you said, they would often face a lot of degrading circumstances. If an African-American person were to go into a white-run shop, they might be forced to wait until all of the white patrons were served first before they were served. They couldn't try on clothing. They couldn't try on hats before they bought things. So other businesses opened up that were, again, run by African-Americans and some uh, white-run shops as well in the black business district that people could go into feel like they were accepted being there, feel like they could come in and be treated with the respect they deserved. You have a lot of, I'd almost say repeats, I guess, of what was in the white business district. There were restaurants and barbershops, clothing stores, pool halls. So a lot of businesses that were just there to, to cater to the black patron. So they felt like they could shop and go about their day with respect. And you mentioned a little bit of the business mix was down there. I wondered if I could ask you a little bit more about some of the anchor tenants. Sure. You know, stores that there may still be a memory of right now or some of the major anchors that were down there. A business that's definitely remembered because they're still around is Slater's Funeral Home. Slater's Funeral Home was founded in 1911 by Alonzo Slater. It was originally located in the Strip. It's now moved to a different location. But that was an African-American funeral parlor that catered to that business. So that's definitely one of the anchor places that's still around and flourishing to this day. Allen's Market, that's really one of the only businesses. Obviously, they're not still around, but the building is still there. And that was a market that African-Americans could go into, do their shopping, meet friends. It's located right on the corner of McIntosh and Wayne Street. People have probably driven by it a million times and we actually have their cash register on display at the Sally Ellis Davis House for our exhibit. 
So that was a, a really important anchor store of the Strip. And now when you think about the geography of downtown Millville and its business district, of course, it kind of has constricted a little bit. I mean, it's not as, as long along Hancock Street as it once was. Um, obviously, we don't really have much of the strip left on McIntosh Street to see it in our mind's eye right now. But really, the size of the black business district on the strip was just about as large as what we consider the kind of downtown business district of Milledgeville as it currently is. I was curious if there's anything about the economic power of the black community in Milledgeville that made it so that, you know, it really was kind of parallel to the offerings that were offered in the white business district. For sure. The Strip definitely had a lot of different businesses. It was supported by a community that had access to jobs. Central State Hospital was, of course, a major employer in Milledgeville at that time. And there was a real demand for people to have places where they could go and shop. So it was definitely kind of a parallel universe. If you look at Hancock Street and the Strip, that there was definitely money to support a completely separate entity for the black community. And would this be a business district that was not only catering to pe people who lived in the city of Milledgeville and Baldwin County? I mean, would people be coming from surrounding areas to patron this business district? Definitely. Just like I think for the white businesses, people would come from the surrounding area. They might come on a Saturday. They would come in. I've actually interviewed some people who have talked about this phenomenon. People would come in on the weekend in their best clothes. They would get all their shopping done. They would meet up with their friends at different stores, and then they would go back home. So it was definitely a destination for the African-American community surrounding Milledgeville, not just the people inside Milledgeville itself. It's happened. We're just about out of time for this segment, so we're going to take a short break right now. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're taking a trip back in time, and we're going to the Strip, the black business district in downtown Milledgeville. I'm joined in the studio today by Molly Randolph, a curator at the Old Governor's Mansion in the Sally Ellis Davis House, and we're talking about their exhibit, the Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. It'll be on display at the Sally Ellis Davis House through May. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you. 
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we're talking about The Strip, a African-American business district that ran parallel to Milledgeville's white business district in the downtown area. I'm joined today by Molly Randolph. She's a curator at the old governor's mansion in the Sally Ellis Davis house. And she's here talking about The Strip, Milledgeville's black business district, an exhibit that will be up through May at the Sally Ellis Davis house. Now, as we close out that last segment, you're talking about the reach of the black business community here in Milledgeville and Baldwin County, and that it wasn't just Milledgeville's business district or even Baldwin County's, but it brought in folks from surrounding counties, surrounding communities. And I was just wondering, could you paint a picture for our audience of what a day in the life of the Strip might have been during its heyday? Sure. As I mentioned, it was a destination. So you would have people coming maybe all day to hang out on the Strip. Of course, they were doing their shopping. They were waiting to get their hair either cut or processed or whatever they were going to do. I imagine there were children playing on the street, old men sitting outside watching people walk by, people playing checkers. Uh, we know that Willie's Shoe Shine was a, a spot on the strip. So lots of activity, lots of people just talking, enjoying life, meeting friends, going in and out of restaurants. I imagine it was pretty a joyful place noisy and, and bustling. And earlier in the conversation, you mentioned about actually being able to interview people about their experiences of going out to the Strip. I know that you also have a number of pieces of media that kind of give, lend y'all insight into mm -hmm. it. I was wondering if you could describe the ways that y'all created this exhibit and learned more about the Strip. In creating the exhibit, uh, we first reached out to community members and talked and interviewed several different people who had remembered the Strip, kind of grown up on it a little bit. Uh, they shared their reminiscences. We talked with uh, museums in the area who actually had objects from the Strip. Allied Arts is the institution that now owns Allen's Market. They had the cash register from that market. Uh, we also reached out to Georgia College Special Collections to get phone books so we have uh, phone books from the 1930s, 40s, and 50s that kind of show some of these different businesses. We tried to find photographs of the Strip. So we kind of really just reached out and talked to people when we were starting to plan it. We also have uh, George Freeman's The Strip. That's his piece of artwork where he basically goes shop by shop and describes his reminiscences from his childhood about what he remembers growing up around the Strip. Um, and that piece of artwork is on display at the Sally Ellis Davis House as we speak, part of our exhibition. That's a really cool piece of artwork. I think probably lends a lot of insight into the, the question that I just asked you about that day in the life of because Definitely. it is a piece of art. It goes all the way up the, down the strip on both sides, am I correct? And shows it during its heyday. Both sides and on Wayne Street. We have his write-up of his piece of artwork, and it goes shop by shop and tells about the proprietors. He remembers what the atmosphere was like in the shops or businesses on a given day. So that lent a lot of color, a lot of life when we were looking at the strip. And we do provide the write-up of the strip when people are looking at Mr. Freeman's artwork at the Sally Ellis Davis house. And I'm just curious for you, trying to pull all of these different stories together into this exhibit, what were some of the things that uh, fascinated you or gave you insight that you didn't have before you started this research journey? Um, fascinated me. I, 
I really kind of wanted to step into their shoes and kind of see what life was like for the African-American population you know, as best you can in the early 20th century. Sally Ells Davis was kind of the inspiration. Her life dates are 1877 to 1950. So Miss Davis would have visited the Strip. So I kind of wanted to learn more about what it would have been like to be in her community. And that was kind of the initial inspiration for starting all the research on the Strip. It was a little shocking for me to especially look at the phone books of the period. They actually have right out there, they use the term colored. If it was a, a business that was for African-Americans, it was very blatant, the separation of the worlds. And I think it's one thing reading about it in a history textbook, and it's another thing holding a phone book from the period, talking to people from the period, and really kind of understanding it firsthand through their eyes. So that for me was one of the really enriching takeaways, and I hope people will get that sense when they come and see the exhibit. And I'm just curious about the phone books. You know, I've definitely thought about them as a historical resource and one that lends an interesting insight into the way the world was. When you say that there, these businesses were identified as black businesses in there, mm -hmm. I mean, was this like in the regular alphabetical section, it would say, you know, such and such business and then, you know, colored, or was there like a colored section of the phone book? That's a good question. So it was kind of like a phone book today with the alphabetical listings. There wasn't a separate section. But next to the business, it could be a lawyer, it could be a barbershop, it could be a funeral home. They would have in parentheses next to the name of the place, and then it would say colored. So if you were a regular person looking up the phone book, you would know the business you're calling if you were allowed to use that business, how you would be treated when you called up that business. So it's right there in your face when you're looking at those phone books. And that's one of those interesting things about segregation and how it works on the mind. I assume all yeah. of the white businesses, they didn't have a parenthetical after them, but it was these black-owned businesses where, you know, you would want to make that demarcation. On that kind of uh, thinking, were there ever white patrons to the black businesses? Is there anything that you found in your research about uh, ways in which uh, the white community actually left their white business district and went to the black business district for shopping or maybe even fellowship? Oh, that's a good question. I'm sure there were instances. I did ask several of the people I interviewed that question, and they said, in general, no. You have to remember Hancock Street is right next door, and they have almost all the same businesses, the same types of businesses that the African-American Business District did. I think the most crossover would probably be in restaurants and cafes. There were some shops, mainly on Wayne Street, that did have segregated entrances and different dining rooms or um, just split dining rooms. So that, what I think, would be where the most crossover was. I'm sure it happened that whites would go into black-owned businesses on the Strip, but in general, they would probably stick on Hancock Street. Right. And of course, I mean, that landscape is still viewable to the modern visitor to Wayne Street. Um, you can, of course, see that one business that has the two doors, you know, right side by side there. And yes. that was... Uh, I'm not sure we would call it integrated. I think we'd probably still stick with segregated diner in which they would have the one entrance uh, for black patrons and one entrance for white patrons. And, exactly. You know, those is two businesses now, but if you can go back in your mind's eye, you can kind of uh, just get a glimpse of what um, the segregation was like in our own community. Yeah, it's still written in our architecture on Hancock Street, on Wayne Street, all over Milledgeville, um, and I guess the South in general, you can still see evidence of, um, of segregation if you look closely enough. Well, 
We've come again to a, a stopping point, and so we're going to take a short break right now. But if you're just joining us, I'm joined in the studio today by Molly Randolph. She's a curator at the Old Governor's Mansion in the Sally Ellis Davis House. And she's here talking about their new exhibit, The Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. It's an exhibit about the black business community right there in downtown Milledgeville that will be on display at the Sally Ellis Davis House through May. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we're previewing an exhibit that'll be up at the Sally Ellis Davis House through May, and it's entitled The Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. Joining me today to talk about it is Molly Randolph, a curator from the Old Governor's Mansion and the Sally Ellis Davis House. Now, I thought we'd start off this segment. I was wondering if there were any individuals or um, proprietors or families that really kind of came to the fore in your research about the Strip. I guess Alonzo Slater, as I already mentioned, he was definitely an anchor of the African-American Business District. I'd also say uh, Dr. Body. He was a doctor, an African-American doctor in Milledgeville. His relations are still around today and practicing medicine. But he owned um, several different businesses, uh, people rented from him. He was definitely a pretty important person 
in the African-American community in Milledgeville at the time. And it's interesting to think about his life as a proprietor, a business owner, a doctor in Milledgeville in the early 20th century. So he's definitely an important person. It is very interesting because, like you said, the bodies, um, mm-hmm. Slater's Funeral Home, those businesses are still in operation and located right there, along, along with other locations right in the Milledgeville community. Now, one of the reasons why I imagine that y'all decided to have an exhibit about the strip is that this is a part of our history that is not really there with us anymore. I was wondering if you could talk kind of about the fate of the Black Business District in downtown Milledgeville. Sure. The African-American Business District in Milledgeville was with us for, of course, a very long time. But as integration started to happen, the fate of a lot of African-American business districts, not just Milledgeville, but throughout the South, was that they fade away. Having two different areas kind of doing the same thing felt a little redundant for a lot of different communities. And that was kind of the case in Milledgeville. It also didn't help that in the 1980s, the early 1980s, A lot of the original strip was basically bulldozed to make way for the new police station, which is, of course, no longer new. I did, uh, when I was doing research, go back and look at newspapers from the year that ground was broke on the new police station. And there was really no write-up in the paper at all about the strip or the loss of uh, those locations. Granted, it was a white-run newspaper. But really, with that, the 1970s and then going into the 1980s, the Strip kind of really ceased to be a player in the Milledgeville African-American community. And I mean, that's an interesting thought. I mean, were you able to use the newspapers as a, a means of really getting detail into the lifetime of the Strip? Not really. I really wish I had. To my knowledge, and I don't think there was any uh, African-American newspaper in Milledgeville, I also looked at kind of surrounding areas to see, you know, if there was any writing about it, and I I didn't find anything. So it it seems to have been existing alongside the white business district, wasn't really written up in the newspapers. At most, you can find advertisements for some businesses, Capital Drugstore being a big one of them, again, owned by Dr. Body. But it's really kind of silent in newsprint, at least from what I've seen. Well, that makes me all the happier that you're putting this exhibit out there and trying to give our community another aspect um, or another means of remembering the Strip and talking about its importance. And I'm just wondering, being that the Strip just faded away from history, what was the effect on the black business community? Did you have any aspect of, you know, bringing this research into the present? Um, and I'm speculating here. But, of course, the black business community is not what it was when the Strip was around There are still businesses, especially some barber shops, the funeral home, as I mentioned, the medical practice as well, Dr. Body's current medical practice, that are still around to this day. But I think it also shows that we don't necessarily need a concentrated business district just for African-Americans because segregation is now over. So I'm sure there's been a loss in a sense, a loss of community. And this is one of the things that I think about when we talk about the you know uh, segregation in the black and white business communities, and that I'm sure that there was a real number done to black entrepreneurship when integration happened, because it kind of just sucked all of that money out into an economy that you know really was you know, benefiting the white population. Definitely, just because integration's over doesn't mean that racism isn't over, and of course we're still dealing with after effects of that today. So when segregation was over, when the black business district went away, 
a lot of black entrepreneurs lost their businesses. And that money did go back into the white community primarily. I think you can still see the effects of that today. That's one of the mysteries of life in that, you know, I think that we can say that integration is something that we should be striving for even today when we commonly think that there is equality within our society. But yet in this vestige of a, you know, a racist system, there were parts that actually, I think, bolstered different communities. Definitely. So um, if there's a silver lining, I guess that's it. But I mean, even within the black community, the black business district community, it was hard for them to get loans. It was hard for them to operate their businesses. They often weren't allowed to buy from wholesalers on credit. So even though they had these separate businesses, they still faced more challenges. The business owners faced more challenges than white business owners did because of the mentality of the period. So it's still, it, it wasn't like they were completely equal, I guess, business districts. And I'm sure after segregation was legally ended, I'm sure that played into the preference for white businesses because, again, African-American business owners often had trouble getting credit from wholesalers. They often had to buy you know, with cash outright. And they might not have had as numerous of products or the same quality as white businesses because they weren't given that opportunity. There's all kinds of different far-reaching effects um, that I think uh, kind of went into uh, the African-American business district's demise after segregation was over. And I think also uh, speaks to the strength with which it took to actually make that black business district successful Definitely. at the time that it was. Now, we're coming to the close of our time together today. And I just wanted to ask you, why is it important to focus a light on the Strip and talk about it uh, today? Uh, it's incredibly important to focus a light on the Strip. I think it's a, a tangible way of accessing people's experiences, their everyday life. They kind of informed the history around us. There is a very small memorial to the African-American Business District, and I don't want to leave our interview without mentioning it. It's the Black Heritage Plaza that's right next door to Allen's Market. So there is a small reminder, but I think if you if you were just to walk by it and see it, you'd be like, oh, that's nice. But I think highlighting it kind of brings it to life. It's more than just a memorial and a marker. It's the people who ran the businesses. It's the people who came there to meet their friends. It's the flesh and blood of everyday life. And I think it, it's a really important experience to to remember and to honor. If people are hearing our interview and want to find out more, how can they learn more about this exhibit or some of the other things that y'all are doing at the Old Governor's Mansion in the Sally Alice Davis House? So if you'd like to find out more, um, you can always visit our website. That's gcsu.edu forward slash Sally Ellis Davis, S-A-L-L-I-E-E-L-L-I-S. Davis, D-A-V-I-S. Um, you can also stop by when the Davis House is open. Uh, we are open on Wednesdays from 11 to 2 and Fridays from 12 to 4. Um, or you can call us and make an appointment. We'd love to take you through um, or your group. Uh, our number is 478-445-5889. Well, Molly, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come over and talk to our audience about this new exhibit, The Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. It was my pleasure. It's my pleasure hosting you again and also talking about this fascinating subject in Milledgeville history. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we are talking about a new exhibit at the Sally Ellis Davis House, and it's called The Strip, Milledgeville's Black Business District. And it talks about the history of McIntosh Street just east of the college, which was the black business district throughout much of the 20th century and I'm sure the 19th century as well. Joining me today was Molly Randolph. She is a curator at the Old Governor's Mansion and the Sally Ellis Davis House. Now, I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections. And I just want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.